What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Conversations with Ask Ash featuring Juan Alvarado. I'm super excited for you guys to tune into this episode. Juan is a personal development coach. He also provided me a Strength Finders assessment when I was transitioning to a new role. And I was like, I need an assessment. And Juan was one of the key people that really helped me out in that area. We talk about vision, mindset, personal accountability, why self-motivation is truly a key to success. There's so many good gems and great information in this episode. You're going to want to rewind this one back at least twice. So let's get into this episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Conversations with Ask Ash. This is season one, the Trailblazer season, and I have with you my friend Juan Alvarado. Juan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Actually, appreciate it. All right, Juan. I have to. I have to ask the question: Who are you? Uh-huh. Seems nowadays like who am I not? <laughs> um, just so many different hats, so many <laughs> different hats, and so many things, different things that I do. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm a husband um, to a wonderful wife, and I have three wonderful boys. So, secondly, I would say that I'm a father, and um, newly full-time entrepreneur. I was a part-time entrepreneur, but now full-time for the last couple months, and uh, feels good, feels great. Um, but I am um, a leader at heart. I've um, I've always led. And that's what I do now. I teach uh, leadership professionals, um, leadership skills, personal development, professional development, um, specifically in the niche of of um, leadership and just getting a hold of who you are, who you need to be, who you should be, and really taking the reins in everything from finances to um, being the you know sole provider or you know whatever it is, um, just taking full ownership of leadership. What I really enjoyed about our our session because you did a strength strength finders assessment a coaching with me uh, before I took on a new position and what I found really insightful about that was that my personal assessment really highlighted my strengths but also what are the things are my blind spots. Right. And so I also like to to know too Inside of that, how important is to understand the balance of both Yeah, so, when you're working with coaching clients? Yeah. So one of the tools that we use in the whole leadership thing, and I use it with everything from couples to students, um, is that Gallup Strength Finders assessment. It's a great assessment. Um, those of you guys that are listening, uh, I highly recommend you doing it. Gallup Strength Finders, it's just a huge um, assessment in getting your talents that we're all naturally gifted in and moving those into strengths, uh, basically flexing that muscle, right? You, ter- you hear people flexing, right? Flexing their their cash flow and flexing their their stuff. This is basically flexing exactly. who you are. To me, that's the best flex. And the probably the 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 flex that needs to happen is really flex on who you, who you are and you know those uh, God given uh, gifts that we all have, and really taking you to really takes people to the next level. Um, so balancing, let's see, balancing, um, you said balancing clients in what, what are we balancing? What was the question? Ba- balancing what two things? Just in terms of, you know, the, uh, their strengths and also, but looking at that other piece of it, the, uh, the, the blind spots, 
you know, and how and how important is that in terms of the the coaching process of understanding both of those elements? Yeah, so I'm I'm a big believer in you have to have you can't have one without the other, right? You can't have um, good without evil, and as bad as that sounds, you don't know what good is without having something that's evil or bad. Um, you don't know what wealth is um, unless you have something that is poverty, right? And, and it's it's sad to say, but that's the truth behind a lot of these things is you can't have one without the other. And so uh, you don't know what you're good in if you don't know what your blind spots are, what you're bad in. And um, I think too many of us uh, move forward in, well, I'm good at this, I'm good at this, I'm good at this. And I always hear this from clients well, that's just who I am, right? And we're talking about their blind spots. That's just who I am, which to my response is, no, that's who you've become, right? And sometimes we flex our blind spots. I don't want to apologize. I don't want to do that. They've offended me or whatever it is. And so you flex the negativity in a sense. And that actually weighs heavier to other people than what you should be flexing is your positive. So you really have to balance those two. This is what I'm gifted in. These are my talents. And this is where I can help myself, my family, my company, my organization be successful. But then I also need to understand if this is a strength, what is its weakness and how will that affect us in the long run? It's really, I think it's it's uh, uh, John Maxwell who says, real true leaders need a know before feel before, see before everything else. Um, And that's what true leadership is. I have to know before, feel before, see before anybody else to always keep us ahead. So if I know what my strengths are, that's kind of looking right in front of you. But to go even further saying, if I do this, this might offend so-and-so, this might rub so-and-so the wrong way. So let me counteract that. It's almost the assessment and knowing your blind spots is like mental judo in that sense it's like it's like a, a it's a superpower within itself yeah no but that's really good this aspect of really taking this mental exercise to to constantly know and be self-aware um as a leader uh, and I, i'm curious to know in in your background were you always a just a self-aware leader mm-hmm. you know did you always know uh you know before the the books and the assessments did you have a good handle on your own strengths? So that's a good question. So I think it was always it was always my strength. So my number one strength is strategic. And from a, as far as back as I can remember, for me, uh, I was always thinking three, four, five steps ahead, which caused me to have a very good, successful military career, a very good career um, in the time that I was a police officer. And, and and then being a director, I was always able to see things ahead of time. Did I have bad reviews and, and stuff like that? Yes, which is why I looked into Strength Finders so I could do so. So I think I had some of it, but Strength Finders really opened up that um, view even more. It's almost like um, certain cars have like the rear view mirrors on your left and right, and some of them don't have the rear view up here. And then other cars will have like one and not the other. It really, the Strength Finders is like a reverse camera on your car. It gives you that full view of everything. So yes, I've always had it in me and I can see some of it, but Strength Finders really opened that up. So uh, there's probably going to be some people who don't see, um, don't see that before, don't see that thing that we were talking about. 
um, aren't open to that. And Strength Finders will still allow you to have a rear, a rear view camera in that sense to open up uh, that thing. So I think in me, because of my strengths, um, it was always there. And so that kind of gave me an, uh, an advantage. That's really good, This that example of the rear view mirror, because when we do back up our cars, we do have to be careful that we're not going too fast or that we have to look for literally like, okay, is there like a soccer ball? Is there like a kid? you know, like running across and we have to just be really hyper and super aware of that. And, you know, I, I'm curious to also know too, that in terms of, of leadership, because I'm, I'm really leaning into this aspect of, while I am a solopreneur, this preparing of hiring and, and leadership, you know, what are some, in terms of like having a leadership system, like how should we be like looking at leading a team? And can you give us, give us some examples of some experiences that you've had um, with that? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> rule number one, when it comes to, to um, and no particular order um, in working with teams or being a leader of a team is you're not going to please everybody. Um, I think that just needs to be out, out the bat one. Um, and I'll come back to that point in a second. But I think the second thing that you need to learn in um, in leading a team is your job is to make people better, not make them happy. And so this is a really tough pill to swallow for a lot of people to hear it as a leader and then for people to hear it as like a staff. Because how, I mean, how do you feel if I was to come to you and say, hey, Ashley, my job is to make you better, not make you happy. So now the next thing is your approach. So you need to also be uh, approachable and be able to deliver upon your approach in, in, a, in a very good way. And so what I like to do is, is have communication. So that's another, another part of leadership is have really good communication. And uh, what I try to tell people is if I make you better, the result of you becoming better is you being happy. And so, the, so one of the examples I give them is uh, people always have the goal of losing weight. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to lose 15 pounds in X amount of time. And so that's their goal, but they fall off. I think the statistic is 85% of people who set New Year's resolutions or any type of goals fail within the first 30 days. It's pretty sad. The, the, the positive 15%, what they do is they make a real goal. And yes, I've heard of SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T, and they got to be specific and they have to do this. And that's fine and dandy. Um, and I'm okay with that thought process. But I think one of the main things in that specific part of things is you need to be realistic in your goal setting. So instead of wanting to lose 10 to 15 pounds, your goal should be, these are the macros or the calories that I'm going to take in. And this is as many times as I'm going to go to the gym. That's a goal. And this is the workout that I'm going to do every day. So my goal, if my goal is to go to the gym every day and to eat the certain macronutrition uh, every day, then the result will then be 10 to 15 pounds lost in the X amount of time. So I think too many people will say, oh, I want to be happy. Okay, be better. And then happy will be a result of becoming better. So then I'll tell clients or, you know, staff, do you want to be better knowing that better will make you happy or do you just want to be happy? Because either way, we're going down a wrong road um, if you just want to be happy. And so my, my job and what I want to do is I want to make you better so then you can be happy. And um, so when we go back to the you're not going to make everybody happy, you're not going to please everybody is John Maxwell talks about a rule that he has. It's called the 
25-50-25 rule. And 25% of people will like you, do everything that you say, will be on board, will support you. 50% will be on the uh, fence. And then you will never win the last 25%. Your goal is to focus on that 25% that support you, that help you, that will, will do those things and have so much um, influence on those people that that influence then pours out into that 50% on the fence and you start to win some of those over little by little by little. Now, you don't worry about the 25% that you're never going to win over. But again, your job is to continue to make them better because at any evaluation or any conversation, if you were to ask those people, what was you know Juan's end goal or Ashley's end goal or whoever, Mr. or Miss, whatever's end goal? Well, they always wanted us to go to training. Is that a bad thing? They wanted to talk or dialogue through issues and problems. Well, is that a bad thing? And it's it's not. If you constantly want to make people better, right? That should be that should be your your number one key. And so, in leadership, it's it's definitely it's definitely a, a difficult task. I one of the other uh, things that I learned late in my career was that leadership is not a step up, but it's a step down, which is hard for people. Hey, you got promoted. You got promoted to be a director or manager. Well, that all that really means is you have to be a voice for your people now. And in order to be a voice for your people, that means your ear needs to be towards the ground. You need to listen to the footsteps. You need to be in the trenches with your staff. And even though your position or your title is up here, it's really a step down because who's going to be the fall, the fall guy? Who's going to, you know, who's going to, if staff or coworkers have an issue, who do they have an issue with? The new boss right? It's kind of like a coach in a football team. If the team starts to lose, they're going to look at the coach. The coach might have been promoted from college football to professional football or from one team to the other with higher pay. But who's going to get, you know, crapped on at the end of the day if the team starts to lose? So by title, it's a step up. But by leadership, it's almost a step down in you have to know your people. In order to know the people, you need to get down on the floor. You can't be up here with everybody else. You have to be with your people. And that's that's one one thing to true leadership. See, I, I didn't think of it in terms of just what you said. So you gave a really good perspective on the title and then the differentiation of it's a step down, which means you have to get in the trenches. So that means this aspect of advocacy in the workplace or advocacy upon your team is like crucial and important uh, in order for not only for your team members to grow, but just for you even as a person right. to grow. Yep. So, so I'm interested too, you know, in terms of how you've led teams. You know, how have you, in terms of like productivity, in terms of communication, what were some of the things that you've learned in terms of either mistakes or, you know, what have you corrected, uh, you know, in terms of how you, how you and your team have achieved goals? Yeah. So um, I've learned that experiences are good, but evaluated experiences are better. Everyone can have experiences and that's fine. But until you start to pick apart Hey, I had a really good day. Why? Because X, Y, and Z. How did that happen? What was the setup? Because here, here's the here's the the thing is I can I keep re- referring back to sports. If you know, um, you know, to the late Kobe Bryant, 
he makes a game-winning shot, if he makes a game-winning shot, it's because of the play that the coach drew up. And if the coach drew up a play, it's because of all of the actions or reactions, not only that the team did, but that the other team did. It's because of how the other team played its defense. Look, they always cover this way. They always do this. And so you have to go back and say, all right, if we're about to win the game now at the end, what was the history everywhere else? And so you really have to start to pick apart what's going to give us the best thing. So because you're happy, what made that happen? What were those effects uh, from those things? If it was a bad day or a bad relationship with something that's gone on in the company organization, what led up to that? Again, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the end without knowing what started in the beginning. And so that was huge for me was um, evaluating all your experiences. That was, to me, was crucial. And so I tell staff and, and leaders all the time, we, we have to know how we, how we got here, right? So that's, that's one. Um, but um, some of the other things that, that I learned um, is when and if you're going to be that leader, um, we were talking about having your ear to the ground, is really listening. And I had to, really had to learn to um, you know, be quiet and listen. And for all my married men out there or men that have a, a significant other, sometimes your lady just wants to talk. She doesn't need you to dissect everything and <laughs> and uh, give her solutions on how to do things. And I'm, you know, guilty party, you know, guilty as charged. Um, sometimes my wife just wants to vent. And even though I might have a solution, right, because I'm strategic, number one, um, they just want they just want you to listen and, you know, and hear them out. And so um, listening was was key. Uh, but there's a couple of things. I think there's four four steps or four key things that. Leaders need to know that I learned right off the bat. And there was a, a study that was done in every country, in every demographic of male, female, race, income, and no matter bottom of the barrel to top, the very top, there were certain things that uh, every um, employer and employee wanted from their leader. And um, one of them was forward thinking, so giving vision. And so Everybody needs to have that vision. What I see you doing for the company, where the company will take you, where you can take the company. You know, what is it, JFK, that says, that's not what you can do for your, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, right? So it, it's, hey, this is what I see the company doing for you and what you do for the company. And this is the road that I see it happening. Like, do you want that? So showing vision. The next thing was uh, trust or honesty. They want to know that you can be trusted and that you're honest as a leader. The other one was cop. Uh, the third one was competency, um, making sure that you're competent of your job. You knew what to do, how to do it, that, that you knew more than the other uh, employees in that sense. So if you're not always learning, you're dying pretty much. And then um, the, the last one was uh, to motivate or to inspire. If you're not inspiring your employees or inspiring the people that are around you, if they can't look for you for hope, then what's going to happen when times are bad? And so those are the four things that everyone seems to look at or want in a in a um, boss or in a mentor um, in that sense in the workplace. So those are the things that I learned in that. I want to go back to vision, the first one, because I think that oftentimes, and it, it's happened with you know myself in terms of just really honing down and understanding vision for your life or your career. Where, where it is you're trying to go. When it comes to, you know, leadership and, you know, let's say you have a manager 
um, or director or your leader within your your company. And let's say you're not seeing the vision. You know, if you are someone who is under someone's leadership, you know, whose who's responsibility is it to craft mm-hmm. the vision? Is it on like that person who's on the team to say like, hey, we kind of got to we kind of got to get it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 tough because um, again, so I'm big on kind of dissecting things and, and picking apart things. My thing is everyone should be taking responsibility no matter where you are. Um, it should be by default should be the, the, the leader in, or whoever's in that position uh, by default. However, if I don't know what the vision is then, and I don't know what to follow, then I need to ask, uh, excuse me. Right. So, um, uh, picture this, it, it, um, you're an Uber driver and you get in the car and the person says, all right, I'm ready to go. Whose job is it to say, I mean, yes, it's in probably, probably in the phone where to go, but whose job is it to say, where are you going? Is it the person that wants to get to the destination or is it the driver that's going to take you to the destination? Right? So I used to do Uber back in the day. And, uh, sometimes, uh, I said, I would say, Hey, is this where we're going? They're like, no, we're going somewhere else. Oh, okay. Well, then you need to let me know where we're going. And they're like, yeah, hold on. And we couldn't go anywhere because we didn't know where the destination was. And so if you're the employee or you're the, you are the, um, the line staff, you might have to say, hold on, time out. Where are we going? What, where are we going and how do I help that process? The manager, the mentor, the leader, the director needs to say, hey, as the backseat driver in this sense, we're not going the right way. Um, you're supposed to go this way. Let me give you a better address or turn your navigation off. I'll give you the direction. And so it's both their responsibilities to take a responsibility and be um, intentional in their conversation. Uh, and I think I said this before, um, but in that, if there's a lack of communication, then again, we need to dissect where does that come from? One, but two, you need to ask yourself, how's our relationship? Our relationship is one of two things, shoddy and bad, which is why there's little to no communication or the opposite. We're so cool with each other and so great that I just, I just figured you knew, right? Which is lack of communication. So either way, either scenario, lack of communication is the issue. And so then you have to say, whose, whose job is it to say, Hey, where are we going? Uh, In my eyes, it's, it's both of them. And it should be that the leader leads by example. That's why he or she is the leader. But I would want to know that my staff says, hey, time out. Because you also, it's kind of like the old saying, you know, in order to get respect, you need to give respect. It's the same thing. If you want leadership, also give leadership. And that's that's really important because what I'm hearing is, is that there's a, a sense of accountability yeah. on both parties. Uh, and, and oftentimes, you know, when I'm thinking about traditional accountability. I'm thinking about someone holding you to what you said that you're going to do. But is there another lens to accountability? Is that like the only way to think Mm. of it? uh, Accountability? Yeah, I think accountability um, is, again, on on both sides. Like today, I told my son, um, hey, I'm going to step out. And um, what I want you to do is I want you to get this, my clothes out of the washer and put it into the dryer for me. And he's, well, both of my boys are in the same room. Uh, one, one is 10 and one is 12. Um, and again, they're 10 and 12. So, 
my wife called them up because she heard me give them the directions and she, it didn't have nothing to do with her, but she's holding them accountable. Should I have called and said, hey, I'm on my way home. Did you put in the dryer? Yes, I, I could have. I should have. An outsider, however, somebody part of our team in that sense, my wife, that when I say outsider, she wasn't in this A and B conversation. She was the C person, but she knew dad or boss, you know, might get upset because they didn't, they didn't put, they didn't do what was told. Let me help the employee or the, the my kids in this sense to help them out. Um, they, then they ended up doing it, but I think everyone needs to take uh, responsibility in, Hey, don't forget to do this. Okay. Take a note. Hey, I'll, I'll set an alarm for you, whatever. But I think accountability, sometimes we even forget, right? I am, I've done that before. And I think we've, we've all, we've all done that. And so you almost need accountability person for the accountability person. <laughs> um, if I'm, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm being honest, but we have so many tools in, in our, in our grasp that we, we have that we have Google, we have Surrey, we have, you know, um, you know, whatever you want, whatever you have, Alexa and everything else to set reminders, calendars, your watch, your phone, people, posted notes, everything. And yet we still fall short. Like we have more ways of communication now than we ever have before. Yet the biggest thing we lack in any relationship, work or personal communication, or in this case, accountability. So. And that's, uh, and that's really true because for myself, uh, I am someone who I read articles. So I'm an article reader. Someone's going to send me something. I'll save it. I will read it. But one of the things in leading into 2021 is I do want to pick, you know, read some more books. And so I just have a, just a habit of, I'm just slow to finishing mm. books. And so one of the ways um, that I thought of, thought of to like set up a system for, I was like, okay, let me create something where I need to be able to take notes because notes are a thing for me. So to me, it's a couple things. I also feel like I have to be self-motivated, self-motivated to actually do this thing. Tell us, talk to us about like the motivation piece, because somebody can tell me, okay, Ashley, yes, you could call me up. You need to be, did you read today? Did you read for 30 right. minutes? Did you do what you're supposed to do? But I, I probably won't do it because I need to be internally right. motivated. Is that a factor when it comes to when it comes to some of this accountability? Absolutely. So I just did a coaching call with somebody today strictly on, you know, motivation and uh, personal development. And on the call, it's just funny cuz literally got off the phone with with her I would say 10 minutes before this call, and I said just that is self-motivation is the best motivation. You cannot rely on out uh, outward motivation um, from other people. And it's funny because in my conversation, I'll say the same thing that I said on the phone with her. I said, you can try to have, because she calls me a lot, of, a lot of the times for coaching sessions and she'll book more and more coaching sessions. Sometimes she just needs a little pick me up. And besides the leadership stuff, I've been, I've been uh, booked for motivational speeches and stuff like that. And so I told her, you know, you can go to an Eric Thomas and, and, and go on their Instagram or YouTube. You can go to a Jeremy Anderson and you can go to, you know, you can come to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just put myself on the same on the same stage as those two. Oh, I don't care. I'm, I'm speaking that into existence. <laughs> um, but I said, you can do that all you want. But self-motivation is the best motivation. Like you can still watch those videos and get those audio bites and 
you still have to put in the work. It might get you motivated to stand up, but now you got to go forward. And so um, how do you go forward again? Um, alarms, calendars, notes, those are still self-motivating are, are self in, oh yeah, here's a reminder. So it reminds you mentally, right? But then we have to act out those things. And I think the best thing to do is start with the small things first. And so right now we're talking about um, being self-motivated, but you can't just, I'm going to read a book a day. Eh, probably not going to happen. Um, I want to read more. That's the goal. No, that's not the goal. The goal is five minutes every day, two pages every day. Start small. Here's the other thing is Nike has had the best slogan for years. Um, the old school slogan of just do it, just do it. And so my thing is if I want to get anything done, do it in the beginning of the day. Like for me, the gym, it has to be the moment I wake up. If I save it for later, life happens. So you get the best quality of day first thing in the morning for me. For others is at the end, but if you're struggling with, with self-motivation and accountability, do it in the morning. And so um, I wanted to drink more water. And so, okay, what's more water? Okay, I want to have, you know, 64 ounces or so many, or a, a gallon of water a day, right? And so um, I, have, I have to set myself up for success, a bottle of water uh, at my nightstand, a bottle of water by the, by the sink. Um, shoot, I even have a bottle of water on the sink in the restroom. If I, if I go and I don't have water, like it needs to be everywhere. It's almost kind of like your phone chargers. You need to have phone chargers everywhere. I have a, a charger here, a wireless charger here. I have one by my bed. I have one in the living room because it's better to to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And so um, the thing is just do it. And so one of the things that I, I talk with the, with uh, coaching clients is in that just do it mind uh, thought process is um, when you say, oh, I need to go run to the store, do it or write a note or put it in the calendar or a, um, a reminder in 10 minutes, go to the store, but you have to act on something now. Oh, I need to put a load of laundry in, do it, do it now. Just, just do it. If not set a reminder, do it in 10 minutes. What, when can you do it? If you can't do it now because you're on the phone or you're doing something that you can't leave, when am, when am I going to be done with this in about 10 to 12 minutes? Cool. Send alarm 12 minutes, but something has to happen immediately immediately there's a study that was done when it came to fear and for and forgetfulness and both things triggered the same thing in the in the mind um and so they got these people hooked them all up to measure their uh, brain waves and their blood pressure and everything else and they found that the um the same receptors in the brain were exactly the same in forgetfulness and in fear and this is what one of the things that happened is they had those um water slides where you sit in it and the bottom comes out and then you slide down, right? And it's, you know, so many hundreds of feet and the angle down is pretty much straight down. And um, you had to tell them that you were good to go. And then they would say three, two, one, push the button. And so they found that the people that went in and said, push the button immediately did it, right? Three, two, one. They said that you can always say stop if you're too scared. So they would say, are you ready? And people would say, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And the longer the time goes, the more that they, the higher, the higher percentage of them copying out and say, no, get me out of here. And so they would open up the hatch thing and you would walk out. So the longer they waited, the more likely that they did not do it. It's the same thing with 
our motivation our, um, and forgetfulness is the longer we wait, the more likely it is to forget. So why have the stats against you when you can stack them in your favor? So something has to happen. I need to go get water. Cool. Let me get my container in my hand. Let me finish writing this out. And now I'm, oh, shoot, my water. That's right. Let me go. And so there's got to be some type of immediate trigger that you go to. But self-motivation has to, you have to build on that. If you don't have no self-motivation, you're in a world of hurt. And so you really need to um, start building that up. Small things first. So in the building of the small stuff and, and then and then having this just do it mentality, I can imagine that when it's coming to the, to the aspects, the tasks that you have to do a lot of thinking, is it in your experience that that type of that type of, of things that need to be done should be should that be done like later in the day or, you know, or, you know, how do you work with your clients on figuring out like how do I go about accomplishing projects and tasks? So, um, there is a, um, uh, um, something that we haven't draw up and there's four, four quadrants and, um, I'm trying to remember what the actual full name is trying to think of what it's called. Um, because there's a, the, the Eisenhower matrix and the Eisenhower matrix puts things in and do it now, do it later, um, schedule it, um, and, uh, excuse me, do it later. So you schedule it um, delegate it or don't do it at all. Like it's just a waste of time. And, um, so I'll start to tell people, okay, let's, let's put this up. And sometimes I'll have them do it in the, on a wall. Like we'll get tape and we'll tape up their whole wall because they have so many things that they have to do. Um, sometimes it's just on a piece of paper and we'll write post-its, right? Go to the grocery store. Do you need to do that now? Or can you schedule it? Or can you delegate it? Oh, I can have my husband do it or my daughter do it. Cool. Delegate it, put it out there. And so I think the main thing first is just to start. You have to start to schedule these things out or start in planning it because there's a, you know, a saying in the military um, called PPP, uh, piss poor planning leads to piss poor performance, right? Uh, um, what's the, the other way to say it? Uh, fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. And so um, you just have to start. The thing that you don't want to fail in is not starting. So you have you have to get started. And so is that planning? Is that writing it out? Is it talking to somebody? Is it getting a coach? And so when you do find a coach, you know, in myself, this, and this is something that you have an issue with, this is what we talk about is we'll do this Eisenhower matrix and we'll figure out what needs to be done now, what can be done later, uh, what can be uh, delegated and what we can just not do at all. And so once we put everything up, then we can say, okay, we'll do the do it nows in a little, as soon as we're done with everything, but all this stuff on do it later and schedule it, let's schedule it. And so we schedule it. Boom, 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 boom. Cool. The delegating stuff. Do you need to talk to those people now? Yes. Cool. Then go. let's go do that. Hey, can you go to the grocery store? Hey, can you pick this up? Can you do the load of laundry? Can you go outside and do this? And once you're done, then it's okay. Let's go in and do this stuff that we have to get done. And it's just so much better. And again, talking to that the, the coaching client that I had uh, today, we had that. She was getting stressed out because of her everything on her tape, on her, on her plate. And we literally had to cover everything except for the number one thing. Just cover everything up and just look at one. Because if you look at 12 things, you get overwhelmed with 12 things. But if you cover it up and you just see that one, hey, that's all I have to do. Cool. Cross it out. Move your paper down. Boom. There's the next thing. Finish it. Done. Go to the next thing. Um, She's like, what if I need to be mobile? Cool. Get your phone. Take a picture of it. Download an app. Like we have so many tools out there, yet we don't want to take the seconds that it takes 
to set us up for success. Like why choose failure when success is an option? And it's like, it's just, we need to be able to put, stack the numbers in our favor. And I think that's really true because after you're doing the just now or the the get it done things and then, or the, I'm going to schedule it out, you can then build a nice routine into like your day uh, in which you have to accomplish. How has routine played a factor in your success? Yeah, routine is, routine is huge. Um, I had this written down, um, somewhere and routine to me is, is key. If you're having issues with setting up your day or accomplishing goals or pretty much just being happy in general, routines are good. But again, like we said before, you have, you, when you have one, you can't have one without the other. Right. And so let me, let me start with the negative end of routines. Sometimes routines can become so routine that there is no purpose or intentionality anymore. It loses it because now you're just going through the motions. Going through the motions is also routine. And so you have to be careful with that. I'll give you a real life scenario uh, in my own life. Um, she's probably going to get upset that I'm saying this for you know uh, everyone to hear. But my wife used to get mad. And this is going to sound really bad. I swear I love my, my wife. Um, she used to get mad because I made the comment of, she says, how come you don't say I love you as soon as I tell you, I love you. Like, I love you. I love you too. Right. And I said, I want it to mean something. If we say it all the time, it ends up being like this. And so I said, if we go out to, um, out and about and you say hi to somebody or you wave or you smile or in the typical thing, Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Really, right now, especially now, are you really good? Like, really ask yourself, are you really good? And for a lot of people, they're not good with everything that's going on in the world, um, between people, races, organizations, the government, COVID, everything. There's a lot of people that are hurting right now. But if you were to say, hey, how are you doing? The natural, easy response is, I'm good. How are you? Because it's so routine to say that, that I don't want the love-filled words that should be purposeful and intentional in I love you too. I want them to come from a moment where I'm holding her face and I'm looking at in her eyes and I say, babe, I love you. As opposed to I love you too, where it's just, just quick. And so um, I said, you know, of course I love you. And, you know, we talked about, you know, some of that stuff, but routine can become damaging when it loses its purpose and its intentionality. And so, um, and so where I, where I finished up with, with my wife in this conversation is I have to take a moment to really say, okay, hold on. Don't just repeat it to repeat it. And there's times where I'll take longer. And that's what, where her main concern was like, why don't you say it as soon as I tell you, like, it's, you have to think about it. And it's because I don't want it to come off as automatic. I want it to be, I do listen, get her, I, her eyes to follow me a little bit. I love you. Because I want it to be intentional because I do not want it to lose its intentionality. So same thing with routine. I can go to the gym every single day and not have intentionality in it. And it doesn't mean anything. I'll actually gain weight working out because there's no intentionality to it and there's no intensity to it. And so routines can be bad when you're not intentional. Um, So regular routine. When you have a routine, it brings familiarity, right? So when you're familiar 
it becomes comfortable. When you've come, when it's familiar and comfortable, you feel safe. And when you have all three, you become confident. So uh, I, and I teach this to teachers a lot. So teachers that I coach, I'll tell them, and this is just good communication in general that I even have with, with leaders. Hey, we're going to meet next Friday at three o'clock. We're going to go over X, Y, and Z. Um, and I really want to get your input on these, these things. Um, um, you know, make sure that you're there for that meeting as opposed to saying, Hey, I need to meet with you at three o'clock. Then they're going to go for a week, you know, until three o'clock saying like, Oh my God, what I do is my, am I in trouble? Am I this, am I that? And so because exactly. it's not routine, right. In the meeting, um, you're not comforted. You're, you don't know what's going to happen, but if I say, Hey, I want to meet with you next week at three o'clock, we're going to go over these three things. I know that when he wants to meet with me or she wants to meet with me with any, with anything business wise, whatever this and this and this happens. So I know I'm, I'm comforted in knowing the routine of things, the familiarity of things. So I'm comfortable and I'm confident. So even with teachers, and I don't know if you were this way in school, I know I was, um, we'd have to read a paragraph and each row would have to read a paragraph in the book and it would snake kind of through the class. And so they said, all right, start reading. And I was, you know, so many people down the line. And so I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay. I'm the 12th person. Then I go in the book and I'm looking one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Here's my, here's my paragraph. And I would start to read that paragraph to make sure that I didn't screw up. And I didn't, I knew all the words. And if I didn't know words, I'd tell my partner, Hey, what does this word say? What does it mean? All right, cool. But I tell teachers now, Hey, we're going to read. Johnny, you're going to get the first the first paragraph. Susie, you're going to get the second paragraph. Billy, you're going to get the third. And Michaela, you're going to get the fourth. Um, and we're going to do this when we come back from lunch. Okay, I'll take the fifth and sixth paragraph, the seventh paragraph, eighth paragraph. And now that we know, we're we're familiar with the with the teacher, right? We we have this routine of it's going this way and then this way. I'm comforted in knowing what I'm reading when I'm reading it. I know the time, the location, the book, the page, the everything. I'm confident in that. And so when you can have all those things, routine leads to confidence. And people might think, well, I don't know. And, and when they have that in simple things, simple things, I don't know if it's going to go good. And man, I don't know. That doesn't sound like confidence to me. And it's not confident because they're not comfortable they don't know what's going to happen and they have no routine. So the same thing forward is the same thing in reverse. Routine is key. Routine is key. And with that, Juan, in terms of some of your, your next steps, um, what, uh, what do we have? What do we have and what are the, what are, what's the future like? For me? <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm just putting out a, a small little ebook. Um, nothing, nothing too big, nothing, nothing too long. Um, basically get talking to people about how to grow. I don't think people, we, we talked about, um, experiences and evaluate experiences. I go through the, the, um, the lifeline of a seed. And I love that we have lessons all around us. And I think God's given us things around us to really learn from. And so, um, I had a little breakthrough in my life. Um, and, um, it all started with this seed and there's a story behind it. And I go through the lifeline of this seed to talk about how we can learn from something small. So I live in the fruit capital of the, of, of the world here in central California. You can almost 
every piece of fruit comes from from here. Yeah, you have Florida and Washington, but so many uh, different fruits come from come from here. And um, I talk about an apple tree, and um, and so I'm uh, have that ebook uh, online um, next week, and uh, I talk about the coaching and the strengths coaching and trying to get people to do that. And so um, that's the the next big venture is doing strength coaching for um, individuals. I've been doing a lot with teams. I'm actually working with a school district um, in a couple weeks after Christmas break. And so I've just been doing large groups and I really want to focus in on couples, um, maybe families, individuals. Uh, we even do it with students as well. Um, uh, ages 10 and, and, and uh, up 10 to 14, get a, um, a student's version at 16 and up, you get um, the adult version of the, of the assessment and really helping, you know, families move forward, individuals, couples. Um, so we do the corporate thing. We do the school district thing, um, and I do that. But I really want, during this time, I really feel that there's a lot of hurting people in there that can benefit from this. People working from home and being stressed out, how they can become better. And so launching that next week. Um, so you'll see some, hopefully some ads and some sponsorships out there um, for uh, doing that. But you can actually go on my website, um, weraisethebar.com. And uh, I talk about those things on there. But if you do forward slash online store, um, you'll see the coaching packages and stuff on there that I can do and help help people out. So that's that's the thing in, in the future that I'm excited about. That's amazing, Juan. And I know that a lot of people are really going to benefit from receiving coaching and training for you. And so if people have questions and we're going to have your uh, social media information in the show notes and uh, what you've provided, where can people contact you just for questions, just for follow up? So there's two Instagram accounts. So raise the bar uh, with a Z. So raise the bar CEO um, is my personal page. I actually post more on there than I do on the on the business page. The business page is mainly for um, you know certain ads or pictures that, at events and things like that. On uh, that one, if you want to follow that one as well, that's just raise the bar with a Z as well. So uh, raise the bar underscore, and then on Facebook as well at um, raise the bar LLC. And um, yeah, you can contact me there. You can even drop a line on my website and email me um, at Juan at we raise the bar dot com and. Um, you can contact me there as well. I'm open. I'm really quick in communication. I am a person that is big on relationships and I'm huge on um, executing. So I lead by execution. And then my second thing that I lit, that I execute on is relationships. So once we establish a relationship, man, I'm all in for, for you and coaching and behind you 110%. So um, yeah, please reach out if you have any questions. Well, thank you so much, Juan, because this has been really an enriching discussion. Uh, and so we'll be following up with you, Juan. We got to have you back uh, because we got to dig into uh, just some more of those gems. And uh, I'm just so excited for the future. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, Juan Alvarado, you guys uh, connect with him online and we'll see you next time. Thank, thank you, you so much. Juan. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Ask Ash. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. I also would love to know, what did you like about this episode? So send me a direct message on Instagram at Ashley Schuler underscore. I'd love to know your thoughts. Until next time, I'll see you at the next episode.